this morning, I want us to think about Jesus Christ. And in doing that, I want us to look at one of the truly great texts of the Bible in John twelve thirty two. There were words spoken by Jesus during the closing days of His life. And Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto Myself. For us today, it's difficult for us to realize the tremendous faith that's expressed in that statement that Jesus made. Because when we hear those words, when we hear those words where Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me, we see those through the prism of the centuries of Christian history that followed Jesus speaking those words. But what we need to do, what we must do, is consider the context of the time when Jesus spoke those words. Because at the time Jesus spoke those words, there was very little evidence to make anyone believe that they would ever come true. And to those who heard Jesus say that, it seemed to them probably the most presumptuous statement they had ever heard anyone make. I mean, after all, who was Jesus? He was nothing more than an unschooled peasant from the obscure village known as Nazareth. He owned absolutely nothing. He had absolutely no political power. He was surrounded by a group of rather unimpressive, though quite honest, men. And to people on the fringe of Jesus' audience, those words must have sounded quite hollow. Twice earlier in the Gospel according to John, Jesus is quoted as using the expression lifted up. In John three, fourteen and 15, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And of course, that reference was a reference to an incident that's recorded in Numbers chapter 21. Because it's in Numbers chapter 21 that Moses is described as lifting up a brazen serpent, a brass serpent, on a pole in the wilderness. And those who looked upon it would be saved from death by the fiery serpents that were plaguing the children of Israel. So Jesus says to those people, as that brazen serpent was lifted up in the wilderness as a means of salvation to those there, I'm going to be a means of salvation for all of mankind. And then on another occasion, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but my Father hath taught me. And I speak these things. That's in John chapter 8 and verse 28. I want us to observe the cross that Jesus Christ was lifted up on. 
The cross was an upright stake with a cross piece. It was employed by the ancient Greeks, the Egyptians, and the Romans as capital punishment. It was a form of capital punishment that was reserved for the vilest of criminals. Actually, over the years and in that day and time, the crucifixion was called a slave's punishment. Because it was the class, that was the class, the slave class, was the group of people that it was most often reserved for. So the cross became an emblem of pain and guilt and shame. In less than a week after uttering the prophecy we read in our text, Jesus was lifted up by His enemies. And it was done in cooperation with the Roman soldiers. Mark, in his Gospel account, describes the crucifixion in a very simple but very powerful manner. After recounting the infamous betrayal by Judas, after recounting the illegal and unwarranted condemnation by the high priest and his hirelings, Mark continues in chapter 15 and verse 22. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour. And they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah! Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Now we're going to let Dr. Luke continue the story from that point in Luke chapter 23 and verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the middle. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that sight, beholding the things that were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off. Beholding these things. This is the season of the year 
as we said last Sunday. This is the season of the year when the world is focused on the baby that was born in a manger in Bethlehem. The baby that was prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14. Behold, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall bring forth a son. And they shall call His name Emmanuel. The baby that was promised to Mary and revealed to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Where it says, beginning in verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, wanted to put her away privately. But while he thought on those things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled that was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. But now, the babe that was born in the manger in Bethlehem has grown to manhood and is being put to death. The cross of Jesus Christ is the central figure of all the ages. And the cross of Jesus Christ was long foreseen by the prophets. It's been proclaimed as a matter of history by Peter, by Philip, by Paul. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. During His earthly ministry, Jesus had a wonderful power. Jesus drew all kinds of people. People from all walks of life that came to Him. There was Mary Magdalene. Shall we say that Mary Magdalene was a woman with a less than sterling reputation? She was also possessed of devils. When Jesus cleansed her, she became one of His most loyal followers. There was a tax gatherer by the name of Matthew. Jesus went to see him at his office one day, at his place of business, shall we say. And Jesus told him to follow him. And he left everything. And he followed Jesus. And he actually had a big feast in his house in honor of Jesus and invited publicans and sinful people. There was a publican named Zacchaeus. He was also a tax collector, but being the publican, he was the chief publican. He was over all the tax collectors in his district. He climbed up in a sycamore tree one day to see Jesus passing by. And Jesus looked up in that sycamore tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going home with you today. Oh, I would, 
give most anything to know what what transpired that day when Jesus went home with Zacchaeus. Because Jesus went home with Zacchaeus and after they sat and they talked, Zacchaeus said, Lord, half of everything I've got, I'm going to give to the poor. Half of everything, I'm going to give it to the poor. And if I have exacted something wrongfully from any man, I'm going to restore to him what I took fourfold. And Dr. Luke says he was a rich man. Whatever Jesus said changed his life from that point forward. There was Peter the fisherman who left his nets and his boats and followed Jesus and his brother Andrew and their business associates James and John that left their father Zebedee and they all followed Jesus Christ. Oh, he had a magnetic personality. The lame, the blind, the lepers, and many others blighted by disease and sin, they followed Jesus because of the power He had to cleanse them and to make them whole again. But it wasn't just the poor or the humble who were impressed by Jesus. There were those in the highest ranks of Judaism. There was Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, the exalted court of the Jews, who came to Jesus by night and called Him Master, which meant teacher. And then there was Simon the Pharisee, who hosted a dinner in Jesus' honor in His own home. These two also felt the irresistible magnetism of this humble Galilean after he had been lifted up on the cross. And after he was risen from the grave, the influence of Jesus became even greater. Because after he was lifted up on the cross, after he was lifted up from the grave, the disciples, they carried the story of Jesus to others. And it's a thrilling thing to read. To read of Cornelius, a Roman soldier, a centurion, a man who commanded an Italian band of soldiers, inviting his friends and near kinsmen to his house so that Peter could come and preach Jesus to them. There was that Ethiopian nobleman the treasurer, the, a member of the cabinet under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He had been to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home. That hitchhiking deacon, Philip, got in the chariot with him. And that Ethiopian nobleman was reading from Isaiah the prophet. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before his share is dumb, so open he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment is taken away. And who will declare his generation? His life is taken from the earth. And that Ethiopian eunuch, he looked at Philip. He said, of whom speaketh the prophet? Of himself or of some other man? What Philip did? He began at the same Scripture. And he preached to him Jesus Christ. And they came to a certain water and he said, here's water. What hinders to me to be baptized? Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you can. He said, I believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down into water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. We can read of Saul of Tarsus, that brilliant young Pharisee, on the way to Damascus to persecute Christians. That bright light shone around him. God knocked him down. He beat him up and made him over and named him Paul. And he became the greatest preacher the world has ever known. There was Lydia, the successful businesswoman from Thyatira, who was converted with all of her household. There was the jailer in Philippi where Paul and Silas were put in prison and had that midnight revival where they were in pain and in shackles and they sang and praised God and were praying. All of these people and so many others felt the appeal of the uplifted Jesus Christ. And they responded to it. They responded by letting Jesus change the course of their lives. They had the desire to wear His name. They had the desire to become His followers. Throughout the centuries since, men and women of every walk of life, every station in life, rich and poor, great and small, have felt that same wonderful appeal. There have been emperors like Constantine and Napoleon who wore His name and paid tribute to His influence. Yes, we can study their lives and we can read history. And yes, while we might wish that people like Constantine and Napoleon were more deeply converted to Christ, it is at least a tribute to the magnetic power of the Son of God. A power that caused men of such vocation as theirs to feel His influence. Beloved, in His power to draw men, Jesus Christ missed no one. Yes, there were emperors. There were also slaves. There were rich people. And there are poor people. There were old people and young people. White, black, brown, red, yellow. Doesn't matter. Businessmen and statesmen. Architects and builders. Artists and poets. All people of all ages, of all races, have been drawn to Jesus Christ. There's a very familiar but very moving passage written by an unknown author. And it describes Jesus in these words. Here's a man who was born in an obscure village. And that a despised one. He worked in a carpenter shop for 30 years. And then for three years he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a really large city. He never traveled except in his infancy. More than 200 miles from the place where he was born. And he had no credentials but himself. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. 
One of them actually betrayed him. And he was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. And he was nailed on a cross between two thieves. His executors gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth. His seamless robe. When he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave through the courtesy of a friend. Twenty wide centuries have come and gone. And today, Jesus is the centerpiece of the human race. And he's the leader of all human progress. I'm well within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that have ever sat and all the kings that have ever ruled put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth like this one solitary personality. All time dates from his birth. And it's impossible to understand or interpret the progress of human civilization in any nation on earth apart from His influence. Slowly, through the ages, man is coming to realize that the greatest necessity in the world is not iron or water. It's not gold or food or clothing or even nitrate in the soil but rather Christ enshrined in human hearts, thoughts, and motives. Not everyone has accepted Christ. Not everyone will. Some have... <coughs> pardon me. Some have been blinded by the glitz and the glamour of this world of ours. And having been blinded by the glitz and the glamour of this world, they've turned a deaf ear to the call of Jesus Christ. Others have become and allowed themselves to become so steeped in sin that they're insensitive to His appeal. But here's the great fact. Jesus Christ died for all men and all women of all time. And not only did Jesus die for all men and all women of all time, but Jesus also has called them. And wherever people have been willing to give Jesus a hearing, He's drawn them to Himself. And over the centuries, great hosts of men and women have come to accept Him. And those who have come to accept Him and to wear His name are the happiest, most valuable citizens of the earth. We who are Christians, we who wear His name, constantly lift Him up through our lives so that others may know something of the wonderful blessings that Jesus has in store for His children. Our task as Christians is to lift Jesus up. 
not just at this season of the year. But our task as Christians is to lift Jesus up every day, all year long. So that those around us can see Jesus as He really is, altogether lovely, the perfect Son of God. Here's the question. Is Jesus the Lord and Master of your life? Do those you come in contact on a regular basis, those you see every day, do they see Jesus living in you? You see, if our life does not exemplify Jesus Christ, and if those we come in contact with on a daily basis, if they don't see Jesus living in us, then Jesus is really not Lord and Master of our lives. So do you need to make changes? Are there things you need to do differently to make Jesus the Lord and Master of your life? Are there changes we can help you with? This is your opportunity to do that and let us help you. Together we stand and while we sing.